As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Or indeed, you can always tweet us this morning at C103Cork. Email jp at c103.ie. Ahead on this morning's programme, we're going to hear how more than 120,000 learner permit holders who obtained their first driving licence. Now, this would have been their provisional driving licence from 1984, so nearly 35 years ago. And right through to 2016, those uh, people on those learner permits, they have never taken a driving test. So uh, what they have done is they have gone and applied for a driving test, but they either don't turn up or they cancel last minute. And then they get through the loophole of that they've renewed the licence on the basis they are going to sit their driving test. We're going to discuss that with the AA shortly. Maybe you're one of those. A lot of people do this because they simply cannot face doing and going ahead with a driving test. But then there's others who know the flaw in the system and they're working around that and have avoided sitting a driving test for the past 35 years. Also, we're going to hear about Ireland's only community town mayor in operation here in Cork. And of course, it's an operation in Clonakilty. Uh, so we'll hear about that voting uh, for that particular new mayor for Clonakilty and choosing new mayors for the next five years that will take place on the same day as the local and European elections in Clonakilty and also we're going to hear a call for a view of pay parking in county towns the cost of pay parking it ranges in county towns from 80 cents to a euro uh, it can be a euro and 80 in some towns, I know of Kinsale, I think is €1.80, which can be quite high. And the reason for this particular review is because businesses in various towns, especially those towns which are near the city, feel uh, that consumers are travelling to out-of-town centres be that big supermarkets or travelling into the cities which you have the large shopping centres and the free parking they're choosing to do their shopping there rather than staying in their own local town because they feel if they're in the supermarket or in the local shop and they meet someone they're having a chat then they realise oh my hour is up I must head off jump back to the car before I get a ticket many realise if they go five or ten minutes over uh, they get a ticket and it's frustrating for people who are doing their weekly shop trying to support the local town Uh, but then of course as they they try and do that, they realise then that 
they are being fined because they stayed uh, more than the hour uh, that they should have stayed for parking on the street or wherever they park because of the pay parking. So review for that is being called. I know every time we speak about pay parking, especially the town of Mallow, we got a big feedback from the town of Mallow who are unhappy with the current setup uh, for pay parking. We're going to hear about this review and indeed how the town of Kinsale is also being affected. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, an independent candidate for the local elections and why this review should be called. Also, one of Mitchellstown's most iconic buildings, St. George's, is to be transformed into an arts and heritage centre. We heard about this a few weeks ago on the programme. Now we're going to hear an update as it's due to hold one of its first events in May. So we'll hear about that from local historian Bill Power later on the programme. Also, yesterday we would have spoken about Siri, uh, or Sarah and this is the new... Well, I don't know if they're new or not, but the Republican movement, which is out there at the moment, and they became known really because over the weekend they held marches in Dublin and Cork. And here in Cork, those marches were held on the Bandon Road and indeed also on Barrack Street. We're learning though this morning uh, from a lecturer in UCC who's come out to say that he has spotted posters in the grounds of UCC recruiting for Sarah. So there's a number of posters have been erected uh, and I presume late in the evening because they haven't got any permission as far as people know to erect these particular posters in UCC and it is being brought to the authorities' attention. But on the UCC campus, posters have been spotted uh, recruiting for this particular Republic organisation called Sarah. We're going to speak with one of the lecturers from UCC on what he saw, what was on the posters and are they targeting obviously they are targeting young people because it's UCC it's a college but are they targeting vulnerable young people who uh, might be coming from backgrounds whereby it is a Republican background and they will use that to try and get them into this particular organisation anyhow we'll speak to that particular lecture from UCC later in the show and also a lot of unhappiness in Carrick Tool because it's one of the fastest growing towns not only here in Cork but in Ireland uh, could be the next Banning Colleague look how fast Banning Colleague has grown in the last 10 years. Carrick Tool going the same way. It's so close to the city. It's a perfect commuter area. And because of that, those who have purchased homes in the last five or ten years, there are a lot of big housing estates in that area. Well, they now have kids. Uh, those kids are going to local schools, but now, of course, the local schools are getting busy. And there has been plans put in place for a new school development in Carrick Tool, but it seems the plans weren't up to scratch and they were rejected. And we're going to hear more about that. A big meeting was held last night in Carrick Tool. Uh, we'll speak with local councillor Anthony Barry on that situation in Carrick Tool. A lot of people investing uh, for new homes there, but still the amenities aren't following. And it does always pose the question surely, when planners give the go ahead, for new homes then there should be a similar go ahead in a few years time for new schools if there isn't the capacity there already uh, for new homes in the area so we'll discuss that across the course of the morning and your calls and comments are welcome 1850 333103 and you can text or WhatsApp 0862 or indeed tweet at C103 Cork we had a busy show yesterday a lot of comments as well to catch up on from yesterday's show and also I have emails in overnight and indeed this morning to the programme on election posters and yes you may have known the election posters for the local and European elections they have appeared overnight across the city and county but some people are questioning 
What time should they have gone up? Well, we'll have the answers to that and your comments very shortly here on C103's Cork Today. Bernie takes your comments. 1850-333-103. It's Cork Today. Your lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie takes your calls and comments. And of course, you can text a WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, a new study has come out this morning. We'll do more on this uh, later in the week in the show, but it shows that Irish mothers, it seems anyhow, are no longer passing down cooking skills to their children. Research was supported by Safe Food and it says that the mothers have been consistently identified as the primary source for learning cooking skills. And that, of course, what you learn in the home, you bring with you as you leave to go to college and move out of home and all of that. Uh, but it seems that some in the kitchen in the last uh, number of years, especially when we came into the 21st century, where both parents are working, uh, there's a lack of those, of course, in the kitchen because people are coming home later in the evening. Uh, a lot of people then are cooking fast meals and don't have the time to be showing the children what exactly they are cooking because they're trying to get lunches ready for the next day and they're trying to get the house in order and then they're still working even though they are home from work they are still picking up bits and pieces after work and catch up on emails they didn't get to while in work or whatever their job is so because of that I suppose parents don't want to be in a situation where they have a messy kitchen and then they have to clean up the kitchen after showing the kids how to start a meal from scratch that's what's coming out from this particular survey and are we in a situation then where we have children now who are 17, 18, 19 uh, leaving home to go to college they arrive into a house or an apartment and they're looking at these ovens and hobs and not too sure what to do with them how to boil an egg how to cook a dinner uh, they're unsure where to start and a lot of them because it's as easy now in an app and a phone to order food are getting takeaway food takeaway pizza going out for food and they're using that opportunity to go out and eat or take in rather than cook from the start and have a healthy meal so uh, is that something that maybe you yourselves are noticing over the last while maybe older mothers would have passed on uh, that tradition of cooking to their sons and daughters and when they were at a young age showing them and helping out with the baking uh, tasting maybe the chocolate mixture if you're making a, a chocolate cake or if you're making a, a full maybe a roast or a dinner helping out with that particular dinner or are we gone now to a stage for newer mothers whereby you are working and work doesn't stop when you get home and you simply don't have the time to go along and show your child how to cook or how to go ahead in the kitchen. Well, uh, baking expert Catherine Lydon, she has her own theory on this and she's uh, more or less saying that is one of the reasons. But is it a good enough reason that people and parents nowadays are just too busy? Uh, your viewers are welcome on that. Maybe you're one of those parents who is too busy and just simply can't get the time uh, to show your kids how to uh, cook in the kitchen uh, how to start a meal from scratch or maybe you're one of those mothers who does and feel it's very important to show your child how to cook a dinner how to boil an egg and all of that because you don't want them going to college or going to work at the age of 17, 18 and 19 arriving into a house probably house sharing and not knowing how to go along and use an oven or cook a boiled egg or whatever they need to cook in the kitchen or even use those appliances anyhow uh, baking expert Catherine Lydon this is her theory on this and I think many newer mothers would agree with this a lot of parents nowadays they're very conscious of getting the kitchen dirty and that's what that's what turns them off I think you know passing on skills but really 
the more chaos there is, the better, the more the children love it. And they get a love for cooking. Sarah, have you won that? Were you one of those who did pass down uh, the art, if you want to call that, of cooking? Or are you simply too busy to pass on those cooking skills? We will touch on that later in the week in more detail. But love to your comments this morning on that. 1850 333 103. Uh, you can text a WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Also, you would have heard on news overnight, the government is going ahead with the parental leave. This is where the mothers or fathers will be able to apply for time off after the birth of a child. Uh, the draft legislation which was published yesterday will grant each parent of a new baby seven weeks additional paid parental leave by 2021. It'll be paid at the same rate as maternity and paternity benefit at €245 a week but workers in the public sector will receive top-up payments to match the level of their regular pay. However, a lot of organisations have come out including IBEC and say that such perks as well as the public sector pensions and the annual wage increases guaranteed employment and all of that within the public sector is now meaning that the ministers who are coming up with these decisions are pricing the private sector out of the employment market. So do you agree with IBEC and those institutions who do represent private companies in this country when they're looking at this new parental leave that is coming out and will be for public and private workers but it seems those in the public sector will receive top of payments to match their regular pay the private sector, there's a big question mark over that if private companies could afford to match the pay while people take an extra seven weeks off uh, from maternity leave and then fathers also taking that additional paid parental leave and if it's something that a private company can afford, if you look at that compared to public and private, how public companies, and this would be maybe the Gardaí teachers, those working in public offices, how they do get increments and indeed how they are guaranteed employment, all that in place. IBEC are saying that a public sector is now pricing the private sector out of the employment market. Do you agree with that or do you not agree with that? Your view is welcome. 1850-333-103. And also this morning, and I'm sure you would have noticed this yesterday evening. A lot of the posters for the local and European elections, they were erected right across Cork City and County. Uh, I was driving on the North Ring in the city last night, noticed them going up from around half five. They were all well there uh, before 10 o'clock and they were uh, more than likely definitely there this morning. Uh, and again, in other areas of the county, election posters went up. Now, a lot of people asking when was the correct time to put them up. An email here from John who says, I was driving from Drimmer League to Cork yesterday evening and I noticed the erection of election posters. This was around 9 o'clock. Out of curiosity, I later checked the regulations on this practice. I was surprised to see the earliest allowed date to erect posters for the forthcoming election is May 24th leading me to wonder is this practice legal? It just seems to me that this is unfair that a candidate will give an unfair advantage and will gain an unfair advantage of getting access to all the prime location for posters while others abide by the rules and lose out. Uh, John, thank you for that. Other people are ringing in as well with that point um, but I'm, and people are mentioning local candidates' names. I'm not going to get into mentioning whose poster is up where because at this stage, from me driving around this morning, everybody, every party has a poster up. Uh, what people are, are mentioning here about is May 24th. That's the day we actually will be going to vote 
we're going to be voting on May 24th. So, so that's when we actually go and vote. That's not the date for when you put up the posters. This is the official line on that, okay? Uh, the European Parliament Elections Order 2019 and the Local Elections Order 2019 were signed in on the 25th of March 2019 and the fixed polling day for the elections is the 24th of May. Therefore, the 30-day period applies, which means posters can be erected in this case from the 27th of April. So at midnight, uh, posters would be, have been allowed to go up. Obviously enough, what happened yesterday, which happens at every election, from the evening time, uh, people are out and they start erecting the posters. Uh, but every party is to blame for this because I, I saw every party's picture up on all the various polls. Uh, people do start erecting the posters before midnight, which is the official time. Yeah, it is wrong. It's not right. But then every party has done it. So where do you draw the line? Uh, and John's point it does it make it unfair on others who abide by the rules? It probably does because then the other posters are up and they might get unfair advantage in location. But apart from that, from what we could see around the county and city, it seems most parties were putting up the posters yesterday evening. Midnight last night or midnight was the actual time when you could officially put up the posters. But the majority of candidates were out yesterday evening doing this. So that's the answer by that it's May 24th, we actually go voting, but posters are now allowed up on the polls as from midnight, even though uh, they were going up yesterday evening. Uh, views welcome on that, 1850-333-103. Obviously enough, they were not going up in those areas, which ban posters, and we've allowed those, as we know, and as we discussed at length in the county of Cork. On the way there, we're going to hear about those 120,000 learner permit holders who have obtained their first driving licence a lot of them since 1984, but still have never taken a driving test. Discussing that next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. More than 120,000 learner permit holders who obtained their driving licence between 1984 and 2016 have never taken a driving test. Barry Allworth from the AA joins me on this. Uh, Barry, good morning to you. Good morning, John Paul. I had to read this again when I was reading this in the Irish Times yesterday because it mentions 1984 and basically we had people who got their provisional licence at that time and they're still holding it more or less 35 years later. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one and even when I first saw the story yesterday I think we were all kind of had the same reaction of racking our brain trying to figure out why someone would do this and to be honest, I don't think there's a you know a good justification for it. We know at the moment that there's about 200,000 give or take learner permits in Ireland and about 80,000 plus of those are for first time learner permits. So people who you would expect are still going through the learning process, but that's perfectly fine. You then have this cohort of just over 125,000 who are kind of uh, taking a longer than normal learning time in some cases. So you have about 25,000 that were issued in 2016. But as you go back, you know, it is fair to say that the number of learners' permits by year start to drop off. But you are still seeing, for example, three learner permits that were first issued in 1984, 568 valid learner permits that were first issued in 1992. So there are people, for whatever reason just deciding not to take the test. They're getting a learner permit. They're waiting until it's coming up to the renewal time. They'll book the test quite often, not choose the scissors, and then just keep extending the learner permit for seemingly ever. 
Yeah, so they're basically, they know the system. They're getting through the loophole on this, really, haven't they? And and they're winning so far because if people have a license for 35 years, a provisional license, and have never sat their driving test, they know the system. So, so is there a way of getting around this? I mean, is there a way of looking at how you can reduce the time someone can, can hold a learner permit? I know there is a talk of increasing the cost, which may prevent that. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that the RSA has suggested, and... The, the idea of increasing the cost, it, it's a good starting point, but I think there are some concerns. You don't want to necessarily increase the cost for a first-time learner learner permit, because ultimately learning to drive can be quite expensive. You don't want to make that more off-putting. But I think one of the ways you could look at this is making a subsequent learner's permit, particularly a fourth, a fifth, a sixth learner permit, make that more expensive. One of the things that Park has suggested, and I think it's certainly worth exploring, is the idea that any subsequent learner's permit after the second should only be issued until the date of your test. So you have to have your test book and you then have to present proof that you at the very least sat the test in order to get another permit in the event that you fail. So I think these are ideas worth looking at. Now, to some extent, I think the problem will probably wash itself out in time because of a couple of recent legal changes. So up until 2010, you could drive on a second provisional license, which is what this was called at the time. You could drive on a second provisional license without an accompanying driver. That loophole was closed off in 2010, and more recently, the Clancy Amendment has given Gardaí more power to enforce and punish drivers who are on a learner's permit without an accompanying driver, up to and including the ability to even seize the car so I think it's now becoming more difficult for people who are driving without an accompanying driver on a learner's permit to get away with that. The punishment is more severe. So I think these people are going to now start looking at, OK, I need to cut myself on and actually sit the test. But we must have people for the last two or three years driving around when this amendment was being approached and, and is now in law. They must be driving around with no accompanied driver because you'll have people who are, are at an age whereby they might not be able to find someone who's going to drive around with them all day and who was a full licence. So people have been floating the law for the last two or three years. Absolutely, and I think that's where we come into an argument of just enforcement. We ultimately, and this isn't just relating to this issue of road safety, but the road safety in more general, we need more guardy out there. The guards need more manpower to effectively police this situation and others relating to road safety because people, if they feel, for example, you take that cohort who have had a provisional licence since the early 90s or even before that, If they feel they've been getting away with this for 20, 30 years in some cases, they're going to continue trying to do so until they feel that the punishment, A, bears teeth, but B, that it can really be enforced by Gardaí. So I think the punishment is there. It's now just a case of providing Gardaí with what they need to make sure they can enforce it. Jason on text wondering, could you have a situation whereby someone could do the driving test, but then if they turn up and if they fail or pass, they can only get the licence by proof of them sitting the driving test. Is that an idea or then could that affect those who are starting out learning to drive and those who are young and are going by the rule book? And if they fail first time around, could that have an effect on them over the next few years? Yes, so I think it's an idea certainly worth exploring. You could potentially look at kind of putting a situation in place where for your first permit and your second permit, you can renew as normal, but that then for subsequent permits, you have to present proof that you physically 
have to test. The current situation is you just have to present proof that you have booked your test. Actually requiring a pass or fail cert maybe is a way of kind of getting around this loophole and making it more difficult for people just to uh, renew our learner permits in perpetuity. And we always hear from Maya Murdoch then about the situations at driving test centres when you have the big waiting times there that it's because people don't show up to the test. Is this mainly, do you think, these people? Because every time it comes up, I get a number of calls uh, from young drivers, from their parents who say, well, my John or my Maura has been trying to get a driving test date, is willing to go along, but simply can't get one because we have events whereby they are a, a, a test is booked, but the person for that test doesn't turn up which means the genuine person can't get a date. Do you think this could be down to people like this who have uh, the uh, licence but are booking the test and not turning up then just to avail of the learning permit? Yeah, I think that's definitely a factor. I think ultimately you have this cohort of 125,000 who have been doing this annually for quite a long time. And we know the RSA confirmed this yesterday that about 10% of people who apply to sit the driving test fail to show up and for a long time, you know, you're kind of scratching your head and looking at that and wondering why the figure was so high. You, you, you know, expect a couple of people, personal circumstances or a sudden event might force them to miss the test. But when you're talking an average of 500 people a week, you were wondering why people were not showing up to take the test. And I think this, these recent uh, figures from the Irish Times and the RSA kind of gives a good indication of why that is. So this problem not only affecting those who are kind of uh, for want of a better word taking the mick with their extensions of the learner's permit but definitely affecting those who want to actually go about the driving process properly to get their learner permit to get the test and then get their full license and very finally, Barry, just on the full licence and people obtaining their full licence, going for the driving test. And I know some people can get very nervous going for their test, but people do. And some just have to overcome the nerves. John here on text says, what about all those people, though, who got their full licence for free by that amnesty a number of years ago? I mean, those people were just able to get a driving licence without doing a test. It's unfair on those now who are in a situation that they might be just afraid to go for the test. And that's why they keep cancelling and are still on a learning Yes, yeah, so I, I understand the point Trent you made. I think ultimately when you look at that amnesty situation, it was a situation that came about as a result of a complete kind of failure to provide an adequate number of tests. It wasn't the correct solution at the time. I think in hindsight we can admit that. It certainly shouldn't be a situation that we look at now. I think ultimately for those who are on a learner's permit, you have a permit to learn it's up to you to get yourself into a position where you're comfortable taking the test. If it takes you a little longer than the average, that's perfectly fine. And I think that's why you need to be careful of increasing the cost of first or second learner permits. But certainly, if you have a learner's permit and you're on your second one where you've been learning for three, four years, ultimately it may just be time to kind of push yourself to get over the nerves and actually sit the test. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens with these particular licences and if there'll be uh, more people now willing to sit their particular driving test or if they can manage to close the loophole on that particular system. For the moment, Barry, thanks for joining us this morning. Barry Aldworth there uh, joining us from the AA. Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Maybe you're one of those that has the learning permit or their provisional licence for the last 35 years and you have an explanation why you are holding on to your licence 
reasons and why you do not want to do uh, the particular driving test, let us know what that is. On text, on this situation, uh, texts are saying, crazy to think, think even, uh, that anyone can get a licence renewal just by not showing up for a driving test. It would only happen in Ireland. It should be stopped immediately, as it is both unfair and dangerous, as the roads are so busy these days. Uh, on the situation of posters, I spoke about a while ago on this, is how posters have been erected overnight across the city and county for the European and local elections. Uh, we were mentioning people were uh, questioning the time of the posters going up. Officially, it was midnight onwards that they were allowed to go up, but there was posters by all parties. Uh, we saw it this morning and yesterday evening, but by all parties, posters were being erected from around 5.30 yesterday evening. Some people on text and email making the point that is unfair on those who obey the laws because those who put them up early get the actual advantage point and the best locations for those posters. Uh, but they were officially midnight onwards. But every election, of course, we know they go up usually the evening beforehand. Uh, well, on that, Eddie in Oven saying the motorway services personnel, they're taking down the election posters on the Balancolic Bypass as we speak. And I did say that there won't be posters up in every area because of the poster-free zones. And we spoke about that at length over the last few months. And Balancolic is one of those designated poster-free areas. So the bypass in Balancolic also, uh, presumably, is part of that. And that is why. So if you are running for an election and that is the area you're running in and you have your poster up in the on the Balancolic Bypass well the motorway services personnel uh, they're at the moment along the Balancolic Bypass taking down your posters uh, thanks to Eddie and Ovens who spotted that this morning 1850 text or WhatsApp 86 speaking of elections we're going to hear about Ireland's only community mayor operating here in Cork and operating in Clonakilty next Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 This evening, a mayoral information meeting is going to be held in Clonakilty ahead of nominations from people to be considered mayor of Clonakilty. Clonakilty is one of the only towns in Ireland to have a community mayor voted by locals. And Tomás Tupair of Duke's Heritage joins me as they're the group behind this. Good morning to you, Tomás. Good morning to you, sir. And thanks for joining us. Now, Clonakilty leading the way in Ireland with this because when the town councils were abolished, Clonakilty set up this particular scheme and of course as we all know this was the need locally in every town for somewhere to go and someone to have to represent the town and to discuss certain issues affecting the town. Correct. Well I think our first uh, priority really was to preserve the town's civic traditions which went back to 1605 so we weren't going to let that go easily and we found it a complete and utter disaster when our town council was abolished and I'm sure other other places would feel the same so we decided that we would uh, fill that vacuum by uh, electing our own mayor and that was a great success and um, uh, our five mayors who will be attend the meeting tonight will will uh, make testimonies to that uh, following a question and answer night as well. So we did that and we were very pleased we did it because it was uh, an incredible success. And it has been very successful. One thing when we were speaking to the various mayors of Clonakilty over the years was uh, tourism, obviously, a, a big deal in Clon. And when you had people coming from other parts of the world, maybe other mayors of cities and towns from America, for example, or other European countries, or business leaders as well, when they came to Clonakilty, the one thing that stood out was you had a mayor wearing a chain at the event and someone there to introduce themselves as mayor of Clonakilty, which... 
it's a local role, but for someone outside the area, especially in the world of business, yeah. was very important to be seen to have a mayor for a town like Clonakilty. Correct, and Clonakilty won a, a great award. It was it was uh, chosen as as one of the best places in Europe, and one of the um, uh, the judges pointed out that that one of the criteria that they looked at was the fact that the town had its own mayor, and that made a huge difference. So it's really. You know, I can't understand why why uh, the government can't see this as being something that that would improve the lives of people in all sizes of communities. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, uh, but what it does is it harnesses the civic pride of towns and communities, and with public endorsement, you know, it it it, it, it creates strong community leadership. You know, well beyond any formal powers. But like you say, uh, any visitors we've had to the town, uh, it has made a huge impact. And you mentioned there are no formal powers. I presume the mayors are contacted for situations in Clonakilty, for example, if there's something to do with parking or footpaths, and then they will contact some representative exactly, of that. Exactly, yeah. that the people have some place to go. The mayoral council, made up of the five five people elected, uh, meet uh, right through the year, and they, they try to have a, a monthly meeting. That's not always possible, but they do meet, and they do uh, put people's concerns before the uh, statutory elected members. And if people themselves in the area are considering to become a mayor of Clonerfield, they could be a mayor. You, you'd encourage them to go along this evening to this meeting, I presume, I presume anyhow, in O'Donovan's Hotel in Clonacilty, to ask about this and see how the whole thing is run. Correct, yeah. And already we have a lot of interest. And tonight's uh, uh, meeting would be an information meeting. Uh, it will be an informal meeting. It will be a, a happy night, I'd say. And hopefully people, um, you know, if they have any questions uh, that, that they need answered, the five mayors will be there and those questions will be answered by either the mayors or ourselves. And it's a non-political event? Absolutely. And the five mayors, can they run again? They can, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're not all running because they, they've put their time in and I think it's time for new blood as well and they would feel the same. And then voting for this particular, for the mayor of Clonakilty, it's going to take part on the same day as the local and European elections? No, not, not the same not day. Not the same we day? The following day. The following day, okay. Yeah, so the following the, day, the that's the Saturday? Yes, in the same polling station. And yeah. is this open then to people just living in Clonakilty town or what about maybe business owners who have an interest in Clonakilty but yeah. live outside? Can they vote? They can vote and, and that's one of the concessions we make is that, that uh, people who have businesses in Clonakilty and who are not from the place but travel to the town every day to work, um, they, they will have a vote. They won't be able to stand. You can only stand if you're from within the area and that is the Clonakilty town and rural area. So everybody who votes in Skullnamukhali on the 24th will have a vote on the 25th. And overall, the perception towards a mayor and Clonakilty, do you think, if, for other towns now looking in and listening this morning across Cork and who have issues and maybe have business leaders coming to the town and they want to grow their town, would you encourage them to get involved Absolute, and set up a community mayor? Absolutely. And we would be more than willing to help people. And, and five years ago, we offered that as well. Uh, but people felt it was too late at that stage, but it's never too late. It's never too late to help your community. And uh, we have done that and we have shown how successful it can be. It has cost nothing, but it has made a huge difference to Clannic Hilti and given us uh, an international profile. And again, this evening, if people want to go along, it's in O'Donovan's Hotel, 8 o'clock uh, this evening, and you'll get information on, on what it's all about. And if you want to run, I'm sure you can ask questions as well to the existing mayors there to promote the town. 
Absolutely, and I would encourage uh, people to stand for mayor because it's a most rewarding uh, experience. Well, well done. It's uh, certainly leading the way across Ireland. Anyhow, I know some towns have spoken about this, but I know you're one of the ones that have continued on with the particular mayoral role. And well done for that, Tomás. And best of luck with tonight. And I'm thank sure we'll, we'll hear more uh, coming up to the elections itself. Thank you very much. Thank and you. I'd just like to say yeah. thanks to the last five mayors who have who have uh, been absolutely exemplary. And good work they did over those five yeah. years as well. Uh, Tomás the pair there from Duke's Heritage in Clonakilty. Uh, they are behind the mayor of Clonakilty. And if you want more information of that, if you're in the area, or maybe you're in another town here in Cork and you're looking towards Clonakilty and thinking... Yeah, if they can do that and the success you can see in Clonakilty, not only in tourism but in every light, maybe we should consider something in our town. We'll go along tonight to O'Donovan's Hotel on the main street there in Clonakilty. Eight o'clock this evening is where the public information meeting is being held on the new mayors for Clonakilty voting taking place the day after the European and local elections. 1850-333-103. Alliance are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email jp at c103.ie. R&D tweet us this morning. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. At C103 Cork.
Kevin James, nervous at C103, at C103. Good morning to you. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through on till one. Bernie takes your comments, 1850-333-103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. On the way, we are going to discussing why a review should be called for on pay parking in county towns. How many people are in and about your town, your local town every day, and you're rushing back to your car because of pay parking? Or do you feel the whole thing is unfair or too expensive discussing that in a while on pay parking a texter here saying whatever about town parking no one should have to pay park in a hospital because we are there because of political mistakes that closed our local hospitals this was the greatest disaster ever by out of touch politicians who were out of touch with the people says this particular texter so I presume you mean uh, by that that wherever you're from in the county you're travelling into the city and therefore uh, you are being made forced to be paid for parking in one of the city hospitals and that can be quite expensive expensive even as we all know uh, so you're not happy whatever about town parking you feel hospital parking is worse and that should not be allowed says this particular texter we spoke there regarding the licences and the driving licences and how uh, there's a number of drivers out there who are still on their learner permit since 1984 they never sat their driving test they book it but they don't go ahead and actually sit the driving test well uh, Kate here says on text in my opinion the whole licensing system is corrupt for example look at the trailer licence fiasco in which people's livelihoods were destroyed by telling them they were breaking the law if they hadn't a full licence by a certain date from previous years even though uh, they may have had much experience and have been driving for years this is discrimination of the highest degree and as I fail to see the difference between the motorists that pass their test on the date in question and the day after says Kate on text to 0862103103 yeah there was a big issue on that when they brought in the various licences required to drive with a trailer 
Uh, there was different uh, between the single axle and double axle trailers and it did cause a lot of confusion uh, as well not a mind on, on the various dates that you had to have a licence from otherwise you had to go back and do your actual driving or do a separate test again for your licence or relook at the whole situation and it just caused so much confusion uh, but yeah when you look at that particular situation uh, Kate it, you, you would wonder about the whole licensing system in this country especially if people are able to drive around and a learner permit from 1984 although a lot of the new laws now that have come in will change that um, over the course of the next few years simply because of the Clancy Amendment and people not able to drive on their own anymore uh, unless they have of course a full licensed driver with them and we were discussing actually staying on licensing and driving because yesterday we got a number of calls in and all these callers were just unhappy of the level of driving they came across at the weekend and the behaviour of drivers on our roads and the main issue was people driving along the roadway and looking down looking down on their phones rather than looking at the road ahead of them. One driver gave an experience of driving uh, between Bandon and Clonakilty whereby they had to pull into the ditch because an oncoming car had swerved right across the road and at the last minute swerved back again to the correct side of their road simply because the driver was looking down at their phone rather than looking at the road in head. Uh, well, on that, a uh, texter here saying regarding people uh, on about bad drivers... Uh, what about the situation of drivers who drive slow and who won't give way to other drivers? We were driving back from Kenmare on Sunday and it was ridiculous the amount of drivers who were happy to have large tailbacks behind them. These people are ignorant of other road users. Your view on that of drivers who simply must not look at their rearview mirror and are driving too low we hear about high speed. Uh, this texter is saying too low uh, people are driving at a speed and because of that then you have tailbacks behind a particular car and I presume what happens is fr- from that example is people are getting frustrated they can't pass out this car they're doing something on dangerous bins and that can lead to an accident. So uh, that person wondering about oh, oh, um, oh drivers who basically drive too slow and, and, and they're not driving fast enough on our roads. Uh, then we hear the speed kills but anyhow uh, your view on that uh, stuck behind a driver going from Kinmare for a number uh, of, of miles because that particular driver was going too slow and there was a build up of traffic behind that driver and people obviously then were getting frustrated and going to overtake in uh, areas they shouldn't be overtaking your views are welcome on that 1850-333-103 text of WhatsApp 0862-103-103 now a lot more coming into us with regards to licensing and indeed people who have obtained their driving licence and still drive on on an actual learner permit we'll get to those texts in a while uh, but I just want to see if anybody in the Mill Street area can help with this because Sheena was in touch with us earlier and Sheena basically had her cash um, in the Mill Street veterinary category uh, but the cash simply just has gone missing uh, so they have returned from their holidays and basically Sooty who Sheena says is part of their family and they have him uh, since he was born uh, is missing now the category have let them search around the area and in the category but there's no sign of him uh, so obviously enough the family are devastated uh, they didn't want to leave without the cat but they had to because uh, Sheena had three other cats who were howling in cages and obviously enough the kids uh, were very upset so they brought them all back home to Churchtown 
Now, Sooty is really timid and is a real pet and he sleeps on my daughter's bed every night. So we're worried uh, that Sooty might be out and about on his own. Uh, he, the, the family said he must be terrified. So they're asking all our listeners in the Mill Street area to look out for Sooty. Obviously, uh, uh, Sooty is a black and white young cat. He is neutered and chipped. So if you have come across a black and white young cat in uh, the Mill Street area, well, if you can let us know, we have all the details here and you can get in contact with us here on to Bernie 1850-333-103 if you've come across that young cat uh, in the Mill Street area because uh, the family as you would imagine very upset and also on missing animals and we don't usually do all these but we had a lady onto us this morning very very upset from the Bananhasic area and they're also missing their lovely dog their Labrador it's a chocolate colour Labrador dog called Bella and missing since lunchtime yesterday so if anybody has seen Bella, a chocolate Labrador dog in the Ballonhasic area. They are going to give a reward. We have the phone numbers here. Get in contact with us and we'll pass those details on to you if you can help with any of those. Uh, the Labrador in Ballonhasic and indeed the family pet, the cat in Mill Street as well. You can call Bernie 1850-333-103. On the way, we will be discussing the review for pay parking in county towns. Also, we're going to hear about one of Mitchellstown's most iconic buildings which has been transformed. That's St. George's. And later on, between between now and one, we're going to discuss the issue in Carrick Tool. A big meeting last night and all the new houses and new developments in Carrick Tool, but no, no new schools and applications that were made for new school buildings. Uh, they weren't up to scratch, uh, so they were refused. And now they must go back again to the Department of Education with the plans for these new schools to hopefully get passed by Cork County Council as the population continues to grow in Carrick Tool, one of the fastest growing towns, not only in Cork but in Ireland. And Sarah, that Republican group, who are marching in the city across the Easter Sunday and they were marching on Barrack Street and on the Bandon Road and we're going to speak to a lecturer in UCC who's concerned because he has spotted recruitment posters for that particular group in UCC on the campus there so that and more to come between now and one our lines are open 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 or indeed you can always uh, email jp at c103.ie I'm just wondering if anybody can help Mary and Skibbereen out with this one because uh, the NDLS where you go to get or to renew your driver license, uh, Maureen, sorry, in Skibbereen, she wants to renew her driver license, and she's gone online and she's done everything she should do, but it's showing up that there is no availability to go along to the centre in Skibbereen to renew her driving license. And also, there's no indication when there will be an available slot. So Maureen and Skibbereen wondering if other drivers have had this situation in any of the NDLS driving centres, or indeed it's just her one in Skibbereen. That's where she's from. That's the most convenient area for her to go. We did check this out with the NDLS, and they have told us uh, at the moment in the last few weeks, especially over Easter, uh, there is an increased demand for their services and in their centres so uh, they're asking people to renew online which you're trying to do Maurice and if you have a public services card and a verified government account you can do so online uh, faster uh, if you cannot get into the actual centre so you book online and you go into the centre and get your licence there is another way around this though they tell us uh, that you can go on to their website if you have a public services card and a verified government ID you should be able to renew your licence or learner permit online if you are 
weren't able to get to the centres but at the moment they are seeing an increased demand at all the indie LS centres and that is why uh, there is no availability showing for you in Skibreen but anybody else coming up against that Maureen in Skibreen can you help her is she not the only one who wants to go along renew her licence and can't get a date in Skibreen let us know 1850 C103 Jobs and on today's job spot, we have opportunities for dirty landscaping in Granada. They require a general landscaping operative. A safe pass is necessary. Forward your CV to dirtylandscaping at gmail.com. A childminder is required to look after two children four days per week in the Bandon area. Contact 086-875-0476. And a shift supervisor and shop assistant is required for Sintra in Chapel Street in Bantry. You can call 86 282 235 or email ella.sintra at gmail.com and you'll find these details and more job opportunities online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs this is c103 you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed across cork city and county this is cork today on c103 a review has been called on on how much we all pay for parking in towns across the county. Many towns have paid parking in operation, but some feel it's just too expensive. Well, independent candidate in the Kinsale area, Pat O'Regan, joins me as he is calling for this particular review. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, JP. And, and thanks for joining us. First of all, Kinsale is the closest town to yourself. What's the current charge an hour there in Kinsale? It's 180 an hour with no free hour and no concessions whatsoever. So one eighty. That, that that seems a bit expensive. Most towns seem to be between eighty cents and, and a euro. That's right. Yeah, you only need a euro for abandoned eighty cents for uh, an hour. A lot of the towns would say, such as Yonge, Cove, McCrudden, uh, Malloween as well, they'd offer maybe thirty minutes to the first hour even free as well, which you know gives people time to come into town if you just want to get a few bits and bobs, uh, just to stop off outside the shop, go in and get it, and be under no pressure to come back out. And the concessions not in Kinsale. Any reason why those concessions weren't put in place in Kinsale when by you have Bandon, you mentioned there, you have McCroom, you have Mallow, you have other areas who have concessions uh, for either 30 minutes or an hour. Uh, why Kinsale? Why did they never get that in Kinsale? I'm not, I'm not aware of uh, why not. I know that in 2013 the meeting convened of all uh, candidates at the time. And to, to look at uh, the but it doesn't look as if anything was done. So what I'd like to do is. Um, it's my first time getting involved in politics, and I know that this is a, a topic of discussion around Kinsale for, for people who, who feel like it's like an additional tax and charge you know, to shop in the area. But I'd like to hopefully that we might be able to sit down and, and, and look at it and review the parking, uh, not abolish it, but look at it and offer an enticement for people to come in instead of going out to carry the line where they can get free parking or to Mahon Point or to Bishopstown where there's free parking. Is that a big issue for towns where they are, well they're not in the city, but they're near enough, let's say a 30 minute commute to the city, where people are choosing to go to the likes of outside retail centres which are near the city, which have free parking, have big supermarket names, they're choosing to go there because of the cost of parking in county towns? Oh, indeed it would be like, you can just, you can picture it there that someone's walking there from nine to four nine to half four and they're working in the city um, but they live in Kinsale or, or, or Banspittler or somewhere locally like that and that they want to grab some shopping for the way home or some food for dinner like you're going to stop on the way out and in Bishop's 
down or in, or in Wilton or somewhere like that and, and get your shopping there instead of coming into Kinsale where you're going to have to park your car, pay for an hour's parking, go into the local shop and then come back out and go home. Uh, it was only this morning there, I was just walking through Kinsale and it's funny that I was coming on this morning talking about it. There was a family running, coming down the street there and they were in a rush to get back to the car because they were afraid they were open the hour. Yeah, and we get that a lot here from people who exactly like that family when they're out shopping, they meet somebody in the shopping hall, they're chatting to them, they're rushing back to their car then because then they know from being in the shop that they're 15, 20 minutes over time and you have people rushing whereby they're more relaxed if they're in one of those areas where there is no parking. The only thing is, Pat, if we did get rid of pay parking in towns, I know you don't want to do that, but if it was to be got rid of or, or, or reduced in some way, could you have a situation then that you could have a free-for-all that people would park everywhere and then there's nowhere to park and that could also drive people out of town. No, what you should do is you still have parking restrictions in the town. So there's a two-hour free parking or one-hour free parking and then you'd have parking um, at a nominal fee after that. Money getting is too expensive for parking in, 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 in a rural family, a small town. Like, um, really down a small bit maybe. We do have it in because you, you will have people who just come on and park the car for the day and go in. If there's people like that who want to, to park up for the day in, in, in Kinsale who are walking in town in the area of generation, maybe have um, like a, a fee of four euros a day or or a cap at three euros a day or give them a weekly charge to, to park the car in, in, in the car parks or something like that. But don't get rid of it because if you get rid of it, then like you said, it could be free for all. But if you, if you offer the two hours free or an hour free, you give people that time just to relax a little bit get their shopping and maybe go into one of the cafes or have a bite to eat or something that's all the business in Kinsale and, and other rooms as well that they would benefit from it. And you mentioned there about those who are parking all day. Is there, an op- is there something in Kinsale for that or is that something you wish them to choose? Because I know in certain uh, towns, maybe not here in Cork, but elsewhere, whereby you can park for three euros for the entire day in a car park or five euros for the entire day. Is that something that you would like to see in the area or is it something similar in operation already? Okay, but your line, your line isn't the best there, so I'm just going to wrap it up because your, your phone line is fading out. But just one thing I want to know about, if, if, if maybe you don't know, maybe you do, uh, there seems to be, and I'm just looking at text here with, with various people texting in, uh, there seems to be a different rate in most of the towns across Cork. Do you know who decides the rates? How come one ca- town can have a, a different rate than others, especially if they're in the same area for the local elections? If, if one town, let's say, Bandit and Kinsale, putting that together and other areas, if they're in one area, how come one town can have a lower rate uh, than another town. How was that decided? I imagine, and I, I'm actually, I, I mean, I'm honest, I actually don't know who sets the rates. I imagine the town councils or the the the, 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 the engineers in the area would decide the rate the rates themselves. But it's something that needs to be looked at and it needs to be reviewed. And this time, you know, I I, I would call upon whoever does get elected into the abandoned area that you do sit down, you do look at it, and you do make until. Um, on par with everyone at the time and not to discriminate against the shoppers who want to come in and, and to shop inside the thing. 
OK, well, well, we'll see what happens on that particular review. I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. Uh, for the moment, uh, Pat, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us. That's independent candidate uh, for the council area. Pat Regan, your view on that. I mean, how much do you pay uh, for pay parking in, in your local town? It seems there is different pay parking levels in various towns across the county. Uh, we're hearing 80 cents. We're hearing a euro. And uh, they're in Kinsale 180, which seems a lot for pay parking. But your view on that, let us know. 1850 I was reading in the Corkman newspaper last week and this is from those, it's a private company who looks after the actual pay parking in the Mallow area and the extent of money being handed over from pay parking in Mallow is going on to if you read this headline 1.3 million euros handed over to Mallow pay parking firms since 2014 that is a huge amount of money uh, over the last number of years to think that it's gone into the millions from the uh, private firm who run it and who do look after the pay parking situation in Mallow. Uh, the figures, they were obtained recently by uh, James Kennedy, uh, who is the local Labour election candidate for the Mallow area. And he has revealed that the contract was awarded to a private firm in 2014. And since then, uh, that 1.3 million euros has been handed over uh, since 2014, which is a huge amount of money and you have to question about the co- like the cost of running that first of all but the cost of collecting that particular amount of money uh, from the area I mean do we need to be collecting that large sum of money in areas like Mallow only because every time we mention pay parking we get a number of calls in from various areas who tell us uh, that and especially Mallow uh, whereby they just feel they can't park in the town they have to run is what we hear the whole time despite concessions people feel they have to run because of the strict pay parking in operation. So your view on that on pay parking 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Also a lot of people in touch with us regarding posters and this is to do with the election posters and it seems now uh, that the election posters uh, that have gone up overnight some have been put up in election free areas. We've been told already that uh, those which were erected on the Ballincollig bypassed the posters that is, they have been taken down this morning. They're being taken down as we speak by the motorway personnel service there uh, operating on the Ballincollig bypass. Also uh, other areas that were getting calls in, seemingly posters, have gone up whereby uh, it's been clearly told and even here on the radio and elsewhere it's been clearly marked that these areas are designated as poster free areas. Uh, another text I hear Rory who says Bantir Taddy Towns is asking all election candidates both local and European not to erect posters within 50 kilometre of the speed limits in Bantir Village. So Bantir Village another area whereby it is now designated poster free. And just to go through the areas that are uh, because we're getting calls in saying some areas that are poster free have got posters erected nearby this morning uh, here's us all the areas in Cork that are that we're being told anyhow are poster free Bantry Durris Baltimore Skibbereen Dunmanway Clonakilty Bandon Banning Douglas Passage West Cove Crosshaven Ladies Bridge Blarney Castle Lines Mallow and Castletown Bear just some of the areas that are poster free for the elections this year uh, other areas I'm sure are included there like Bantier because 
because um, Thomas on text is saying how come the posters have been removed from the Ballincollig bypass surely that isn't considered within Ballincollig after all it's a motorway well it must be because the motor services are out there this morning and they're taking them down anyhow your views are welcome on that 1850-333-103 text of WhatsApp 0862-103-103 a lot of calls coming in regarding pay parking and how indeed pay parking is decided across towns we'll get back to those uh, shortly on the programme uh, your views are welcome on pay parking 1850-333-103 but I want to hear about one of the most iconic buildings in Mitchellstown this is St George's and this is an example I suppose to any town across Cork who might have a church which has not been used you're afraid it will go to ruin and how you can give that particular church a new lease of life we'll hear about plans for that church and indeed how is to hold one of its first events in May that next year at C103 Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 One of Mitchellstown's most iconic buildings is St George's Church and is due to get a new lease of life there is a plan to develop the centre into an arts and heritage centre which we heard about a few months ago and one of those behind that particular project is local historian Bill Power who joins me Good morning to you Bill Good morning, John Paul. Uh, first of all, we spoke to you a few months ago about this and what you were set to do and the plans to develop it into a, a, a arts and heritage centre which would boost not only the Mitchellstown area but the whole of North Cork. Uh, what's the latest with that situation and how are you developing there? Yeah, um, well, when we spoke to you, I think it's actually number one, a number of weeks ago now, at that stage we were still in negotiation with the Church of Ireland about acquiring the building. So we completed the purchase of the building last Wednesday. And since then, um, we have literally been all hands on deck, cleaning the place, tidying the place. It's, it's The church has been closed for three years. There's been a, a build-up of debris in there in parts of the building, just people storing stuff and all sorts of strange things coming out of the place. But um, the last week has really been engaged in just tidying the place, cleaning it up and getting it ready for a concert that we have coming up there with the Lismore Choir on the 18th of May. And obviously there's going to be a lot of work, Bill, going to take place over the next, not only for that event, which we'll speak about in a while, but over the next number of months to restore this particular building and indeed to set it up as an art and heritage centre. A huge amount. I mean, we're looking at an overall cost at the moment of about a million euro. The reason for that is that the front section of the building, which would be the area of the spire and the former classroom, a former school room and the stairwell, that's going to cost us about a quarter of a million. There's a lot of problems in there in relation to dry rot, wet rot, water coming in all over the place. Um, so a chunk of that money will go into there, and that's a job that will take a fair bit of time to sort out. Um, then the main body of the church, we know that we're facing a bill, again, of close to a quarter of a million, just putting a new roof on the main part of the building. And they've got all the various other things we have to do, like um, all the windows, for example, the all the, the putty on those windows has uh, perished over the years. All that has to be replaced. And, of course, in a building like that, everything you do, it's it's not like doing your ordinary modern house. Everything has to be done to conservation standards. Everything is expensive. You could at least double the cost of everything because of the nature of the building. And then the idea is that as we go along, we'll, we, ha- we will have the building in use um, over the summer for various things. But the idea is that we will also be specifically developing it with an arts and cultural purpose in mind, and that's also going to have an attached cost to it. But as you said in, in your introduction, there isn't actually a building like this anywhere in North Cork. Um, 
I know that other churches have been converted, like the church in Kilworth and the one in Watergrass Hill. Their focus is, is a little bit different to the way we are going. Um, in that, for example, we are not putting in permanent seating into our building. Our seating will be will be designed in such a way that the building can be used for a variety of purposes. And that's important to us, you know. Yeah, and with all those plans, uh, money is going to be one thing you will need. I know you're fundraising uh, over the next while for, for that. Is there any way that you can secure investment or get some way of a grant? Or, or have you got that as it is? Yeah, well, what we're hoping is that half of the overall cost, in other words, roughly half a billion, will come through various forms of grants. Now, we have, for example, we have a couple of small grants got from Cork County Council that's going to get us started. And that's been sort of a vital encouragement, really. Um, but we really have to target some of the bigger grants that are out there. Some of those applications won't be closed until later in the year. But we get to the end of this year, we really want to know how they're fixed um, for what has to be done next year. But as we go along, the idea, obviously then we have to do a lot of fundraising. and We need people to give us money. It's as simple as that. We have a situation here in Mitchellstown where we've actually lost a number of very important buildings in recent years through vandalism. And for those of us involved in St. George's, it was a very simple choice. If we didn't do it, St. George's would go the way of the Presentation Convent, which is now a complete ruin inside the through vandalism. We had another house 12 months ago um, directly across the road from St. George's. It had been empty for a number of years. Very fine building. That was vandalised and burned down one night. And the question is then, if people, if people around here don't want a repeat of that in St. George's, then I'm afraid they're going to have to support us. And we're asking the people would. Um, it's for everyone that we're doing this. It's not just for uh, you know a committee or a, a co- the company that's taking it over. This is the entirety of, of, of the locality. You know, there's a very vibrant music community out there, not just you know the, the kind of high-profile things like choirs and that, and, and we have some very good choirs around. But there's also things like a tremendous traditional music scene happening, and it's underground here. It's going on and people don't know it. You know, there's vibrant stuff being done in terms of art and sculpture in the locality. And we found that because since we opened the doors there last week, we just when we got the phone call that the building was ours, the first thing I did was I went out and I opened the two front doors. People had never seen those doors open and they've been opened every day since. And the idea is for people to come in, have a look, see what we have. You know, this is a treasure. And it's here for everybody. And you now have obtained that particular building, so you, you are able to go along with all those works now yourself oh, and, yes. and people can, oh, yes. can view and everything like that. So you, you're in control of it now at this stage. Well, as it happens, I was in the building when we got the phone call at 4.30 that the building was ours. And I had two of the directors with me and I literally, um, I said to Anne and Andrew, um, Andrew's the secretary of the company, Andrew Deneen, and, and Morrison is our treasurer. I said, I'm now going to do something I couldn't do all along. And I walked down to the door and opened the two doors and people started to come in within about an hour. The vast majority of people in Mitchellstown have never been inside the door of it. I would say 10% is the, is about as much of the population has been, as has been in there. Um, and as I keep saying, it's not because the Church of Ireland here didn't welcome people. They most certainly did. But the doors were closed. They were only open on a Sunday morning. And the upside of that was, I suppose, people were afraid to go in if there was a service going on. So there's, there was this sort of aura about the building that everybody wonders what is behind the doors. Well, we're saying to you, or to people in general, um, when you see the doors open, pop in, say hello to us. We don't bite. Um And on Saturday coming, we have an open day, so it'll be open from 2 to 5 in the afternoon. 
anybody is welcome to go in. We do ask that people who visit, please give us a small donation. And um, We're not looking for millions of you or anything like that. But if you're serious about supporting us and if you appreciate the building, just put a few, a few euros into the, the book and the win. It helps us and it, it's a way of you showing us support and appreciation for what we're trying to do. Yeah, and the thing is, you mentioned there about the other churches and the convents and the vandalism that was going on there. I presume that that has calmed down now in the last year or so. I know it was an issue two or three years ago. Uh, I presume it has calmed somewhat, Bill, has it? Well, to be honest, it hasn't. There there are other buildings in in Mitchellstown, and I won't start naming them, but they are sitting targets. And unfortunately, when a building becomes vacant, um, these individuals gain access to doors or windows or wherever. And it, it begins with um, vandalism of sort of the type of breaking windows and um, damaging doors. But in the case of the convent, it is it was phenomenal, the destruction that was done there over a five-year period. There is absolutely nothing whatsoever within that building left intact. I mean nothing, including walls, including floors, including stairs, windows, doors, you know, and... When we were first asked about getting involved in St. George's, we knew we were taking on a huge headache and there's no point in pretending otherwise. But for me, the choice was simple. Do I want to see another building, as in St. George's, vandalised? And um, we know the first thing we've had to do with St. George's is put in new locks. They're going in this morning, actually. Um, The fire and intruder alarms have gone in. So basically... Our first thing is to protect the building from outside interference. Um, and that's a cost just to get, you know, you get the building and the first thing you have to do is you have to basically secure it from, from damage and from break-ins and vandalism and so forth. And we have that at least. But, I mean, there are a lot of other buildings around in the statue just unique to Mitchellstown. Teenagers, um, you know, when they get drinking and they maybe get into drugs and things like that, um, they find places to go into and then fires and other kinds of damage happen. And we've certainly had two... For, we'll, actually, the Christian Brothers Monastery, the Presentation Convent and Cochlands House in Mitchellstown have all been damaged by fire. And it, it wasn't um, the owners who did that. Yeah, and that's a shame to think you will find buildings like that with heritage attached to them and history and that, that that's yeah. the way they end. They end in fire just due to that antisocial behaviour in a town. And that's yeah. the last thing you want this to happen with St. George's. So that is why you're working on this and it's a beautiful building. So it's good to hear that you have everything in place there to secure it as well. Um, I mentioned there tourism while ago and it's something that uh, I know East Cork have had a big drive in the last three or four years for tourism. North Cork now as well is doing the same. And this will offer a tourism offering because I presume... In time, you could offer this and, and include this on Ireland's ancient east, which represents parts of North Cork as well. Well, that's part of our plan. Um, we have had some very good discussions with Cork County Council, who have been very supportive of us. Um, they see the potential of this as well. We're looking at this in the context of St. George's being the catalyst for a development, which would extend down George Street, down to King Square and Kingston College. King Square is regarded as the finest range of Georgian buildings in any small town in Ireland. And the idea is then that we would link what we are doing in with the developments in Meadow Castle and Meadow Park, with the fact that Donald Park is going to have the house there open this summer. There's huge works going on in Ansgrove Gardens. 
So we become a corner of this development in North Cork. That the idea is that, you know, we actually one of the things we've been stunned about since opening those doors is the volume of traffic passing our front door. They're heading towards Killarney, they're heading towards Mallow, Kildare, and various other parts of North Cork. And we can see ourselves being able to capture some of that. And then, of course, if we work in liaison with the other good stuff that's going on around North Cork, and it has to be done collaboratively to succeed, then we develop a product in North Cork that a lot of places will benefit from. And it's, so it's not that we're, we're looking at a very isolated project in a town like Mitchellstown. This has potential on a much wider scale if people are prepared to work with us on it. And I know that the council is thinking in that direction. As I said, we've had, we've had some very good discussions with them. Um, and they see exactly where they want to go and where they see us fitting into that. So, But it, it would require everybody being involved. I mean, in Mitchellstown, for example, um, we have group, You know, we have, we have a tremendous music facility here. We have a tremendous amount of traditional music going on. There's people who are into acting. There's people into painting. Can you imagine a facility where all those people kind of have access to a building which they can call their own and the building itself is actually a work of art. Yeah, know? and you mentioned a while ago, Bill, a lot of these people are underground. This will give yeah. them a focus to come up above ground and show the work they do and bring yeah. an art life to Mitchellstown and indeed the North Cork area. And for all this to happen, uh, what you're doing is in May, and it's one of the first events in the actual church, it's the Voices of St. George's and the Lismore Choir and Eamon Walsh, of course, a local young man from the town, yeah. will perform. Tell us about this, because th- this is the first main event for the church, so people that might be slow along to go on their own and walk in during the day when the doors are open, they will definitely hopefully come along to this event and they can see firsthand what it's going to be like having a choir and aim and sing in that church. And I, I presume build beautiful acoustics there as well. The acoustics in the building are fantastic. And um, that's the first thing to be said. Um, it seats in around 200 people. So it's a good sized building. Um, and the, what actually happened was that at, the, at an early enough stage, the Lismore Choir approached us and said, look, um, we could help you with doing a fundraiser up there. So then, at the same time, we started talking with Eamon Walton. Eamon is an incredibly talented and a really nice young man, a gentleman, I'd call him. And he's a guy who's going to have a very bright future from everything I'm hearing about him. So they, on the night, Eamon and the, the Lismore Choir will be fronting the night for us. We will have a lot of surprises on the night, which, obviously, if I told you what they were, there's no point in having a surprise. <laughs> but the, but but what we, what we can tell you is that there is going to be something seen in that church um, on the night of the concert that hasn't been seen in there for 130-odd years. And it's something that's always been there and nobody took any notice. And we'll, we will be revealing it. Um, it's, it's what I call one of the hidden gems of the church. So um, that concert is, as you said, on Saturday, the 18th of May. Um, hopefully we'll have a full house. There certainly seems to be a lot of interest out there. We know the tickets are selling which we never sell enough tickets. Um, and uh, by that stage in, in the work, I mean, we're lucky that this, this week now we've had quite a few people coming in helping us. We we really are looking for volunteers because there's so many jobs to be done up there. Um, think of your own house and then multiply it by several times and you'll have an idea of the work that might be involved. And and of course, we're, we're very lucky that, um, you know, the team that we have working on it, it, it there's only five directors, we, we've kind of remained undercover over the last while while we worked on this and getting it into place. Now that it's in place, we have to broaden it out to the community. And we want, we, I, I can't emphasise this strongly enough, 
We want the people in Mitchell's Town to regard this centre as theirs. We're just a custodian, we're just managing it, but but it's there for everybody in Mitchell's Town to use. And we already, for example, have um, a a recording and a a musical recording being done there. It's already booked in with us for for the next few weeks. The band wants to use the space and to do some recording and filming in there, and we've agreed to that. Delighted to have them. That's great. Yeah, that's that, really that, good. That's that's what you want coming in there. It is because just when you mentioned that, I'm thinking of the the Voices program. I think it's the, the Voice of Hope, or I think that's what it's called. It's changed its name maybe, but it was the Voices anyway at one stage, and they brought us from Dingle, from the church in Dingle, and it's on uh, airs an RTE late at night, and they have a different a lot of acts coming in, and just reminds me of what you're saying there that St George's could be used for this as well. So you could be seeing it on TV in the yeah. future if it goes down that line, and you could be using it for a lot more like that you in Dingle. So just to remind yeah. people again, Voices of the St. George's and that is going ahead in the church in Mitchellstown in the St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre Saturday 18th of May 7.30 with the Lismore Choir and Eamon Walsh is from the town yeah. admission 25 euro where can you get tickets again they'll just remind yeah, people the, the tickets in Mitchellstown are available I hope you get them all right they're available in Reedy's Edgeman's shop which is just down the street from the church the treasure chest the favours Diva and Una's flower shop failing that you can email us. Um, we have a website which you can contact us on. Um, it is St. George's My Town, M I T O W N dot com. So that's St. George's, S A I N T, in full, G E O R G E S, M I T O W N dot com. That will find us. Or um, if it's okay to give out my phone number. Two, yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, people can give me a call and we'll arrange to get tickets to you. My number is 087-811-3611. That's 087-811-3611. Very good. Bill, best of luck uh, with the particular concert and the work. I'm sure we'll touch base over the next few months on indeed how things are going there at St George's. I can tell you there's a lot of positivity in the area for that. Sheila in Mitchellstown says uh, that's such a positive story. Great to hear the church is going to be used again uh, rather than letting it go ruined like other buildings in Mitchellstown and great to hear of more tourism destinations for North Cork. While Fred is saying it's great news. We keep hearing about tourist stories in West Cork and East Cork, never in North Cork. So great to hear that something like this is coming to North Cork. Best of luck to Bill and his team in Mitchellstown. So Bill, a lot of positivity coming in there for the particular yeah. development. Best of luck with that. I'm over in time, but I'm sure uh, we'll chat again uh, over the next few months as you continue to develop the uh, area there. Uh, Thank you for that. Paul, thanks to all of you and County Sound for your support. Mm, no problem, or, 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 Sorry, the days of County Sound are over, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, see 103 <laughs> now, yeah. yeah, yeah. See 103. Yeah, we know what you mean, though. I'm a bit old You're okay. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Bill. Take care. Look, historian Bill Power there from Mitchellstown and that great development uh, in Mitchellstown St George's Arts and Heritage Centre and of course uh, the big concert there on Saturday the 18th of May a big tourism boost that will be for the North Cork area over in time a lot more to come after midday including the issue in Carrick Tool regarding the schools in Carrick Tool the planning issue there for new schools in the area and also how that Republican group Sarah uh, seems to be recruiting on the campus in UCC. Good afternoon to you. We have no gardening today. Peter Doddall is not with us on this Wednesday, but he will return to us next Wednesday and we'll push your gardening questions to Peter then. But on the way between now and one, uh, we are going to discuss a meeting that was held last night in Carrick Tool. This is over plans for new schools in the area. The plans were rejected. We'll hear why and indeed what needs to happen for a school campus in Carrick Tool. Of course, a real growing town now, not only here in Cork, but the fastest growing town 
in Ireland because it's so close to the city and so close to so many big employers as well here in the Cork area. So we'll hear about that. We're also going to hear from a lecturer in UCC who's concerned because of Sarah, the Republican group. Uh, they are recruiting, it seems, on campus in UCC by way of erecting recruitment posters. We'll hear uh, about what is happening there in UCC and what can be done and are they targeting vulnerable young people or what exactly is happening with that particular group uh, shortly on the programme as well. Good news though, remember Bella? Bella was the dog that was missing in the Ballonhasic area. We gave the family around to us a while ago. They were quite upset and good news is Bella has been found. So good news for that family in Ballonhasic. On the Road Safety Authority, this is early on. We spoke with Barry Alworth from the AA on how more than 120,000 learner permit holders who obtained their first driving licence uh, between 1984 and 2016, they have never taken a driving test. We discussed a loophole in the system and how people are working around this. Well, Mary on this says, what would you expect from the RSA? Look how they crucified all the hardworking rural areas with the stupid trailer licence saga. And a lot of people have been in touch with us this morning, Mary, about that particular issue with the trailer licences. And people trying to keep head above water who thought they had a proper licence to pull a trailer or indeed a cattle box. And there were criminals overnight because the Road Safety Authority decided decided that if you passed your test the day before their November deadline years before well you were fine but if you did your test the day after well then you are basically a criminal Mary says it's just pure discrimination of the highest order and who's to say which is the better driver asks Mary on text 0862 103 103 on the issue of learner drivers and indeed those who uh, have been driving around since the 80s on a provisional licence on the issue of dumping yesterday we spoke about civic community centres across Cork and of them extending hours or opening new centres in areas of Cork that don't have those particular community centres well John is a Bantry and he was out walking last night towards the beach in the Bantry area and he saw people dumping a three-piece wheat into the sea just there broad daylight in the evening uh, three-piece wheat not sure was there a van or a car nearby or did John get red numbers or what how they were disposing of it because I presume they didn't just walk down to the area with the sweet all of them um, I presume they came in a car or a van or something but as bold as brass they did catch the sweet and basically dump it into the sea near Bantry. So that's what's happening with the level of dumping uh, out there in areas of Cork, says John in Bantry. Also our listener who is looking to renew their driving licence and went into the NDLS Centre in Skibbereen. Now there is a high demand at the moment for those who wish to renew their driving licences and they have told us of that. Uh, but this listener from Alahees who is actually in the driving licence centre in Skibbereen at the moment says you do not need an appointment. You just queue up to see an official and the official is there at the moment and there are four people ahead of her in the queue so it seems at the moment if you're in the area and if time allows you don't really need to have an appointment as people are going in without appointments and being sorted out if of course you are able to do that and you have time to do that now at the moment uh, that might help Moraid who was on to us earlier from the Skibbereen area and advice for Anne, uh, who's texting us this afternoon, because she is aware of somebody who's going to remove a 40 metre hedge or who is removing a 40 metre hedge. Uh, but at the moment, birds are nesting in that hedge and they have already started nesting. She wants to know how effective is the Wildlife Act and could you advise me on it? I have contacted local offices and numbers in Dublin, but no one is answering. Any advice welcome on if they actually do find her? What are the consequences if someone does remove a hedge when birds are nesting? 
interesting because I know it is against the law but it is uh, for periods of the year and I know Bernie has just been off the phone to the Irish Society for the Protection of Birds in Dublin and they have asked Anne to get in contact with the National Parks and Wildlife Service as it is against the law to disturb nesting birds from the 1st of March until the 31st of August. So Anne, you're I'm not too sure if you did ring them or not but if you haven't it's the National Park and Wildlife Service you need to get onto and say it to them and they should be able to help you there with your query. Also earlier we spoke about the issue of pay parking and how a review is being called on for pay parking in towns in the Cork area, especially Kinsale was one town mentioned where they feel the parking and the price there is too high. And we were wondering then, well, how do they actually consider or decide the rate for every town? Because it seems every town has a different rate when it comes to pay parking. Well, Councillor Paul Hayes was listening to this particular discussion and joins us. Uh, Paul, good afternoon to you. Afternoon, John Paul. Uh, issue pay parking, always a topical one, but regarding what rate uh, the towns use or have, because some towns have a rate of 80 cent per hour, some towns have a euro, and can sail a very high rate of 180 an hour. They do indeed, yeah. Um, again, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fairly hot topic. Um, again, I suppose going back to uh, earlier on in our term, which is which is nearly up now in, in the, the end of May, um, there was an attempt, I suppose, by Cork County Council to come up with a county-wide policy uh, for pay parking so that there would be kind of a universal rate and, uh, you know, that every town would pay the same and, you know, that the pay parking would be, you know, the same in West Cork and North Cork, East Cork, wherever. Um, but I suppose, look, we, we do have a policy in West Cork going back over a long, long time that there hasn't been any pay parking. Um, so I suppose what, what the decision, rather than having a county-wide policy, was that it would go back to the municipal districts such as um, where past your speaker earlier on was on about bands and can sail. The, the six county councillors there would take a decision on, you know, the, implementing a, a pay parking policy, whereas uh, the eight of us over in West Cork decided not to impose any pay parking in town. Um, you know, and we, we, we took that decision. I suppose we're, we're potentially losing some revenue from, from pay parking, but in, in the way we see it is that we need to try and encourage people to come in and use our town centres and shop in the town centres, uh, especially because over recent years um, there's been a lot of you know shopping centres put up on the outskirts of, of towns with free parking. And again, we, we find that you know if you're if you're putting pay parking in in town centres, it's a it's a disincentive for people to come into the town centres. So I suppose yeah, that's it, it's um, there's a variation in the county because. Different municipal districts take a, a different uh, a different view on the merits of pay parking or not. And would it work if you had a situation where pay parking is in towns, without introducing it to towns whereby there is no pay parking at the moment, if you had one rate decided by everybody in County Hall for all the towns, would that work or would that be unfair then on various towns? If you had every town in Cork, for example, it's a euro for every town, that's it. And you're not going to have 180 in one town or 80 cents in another town. Every town's going to be a euro. Well, you could again, as I said. I mean, the, the, the local councillors would work with the council executive in setting the rate of, of the pay parking amount for each town. So I suppose again, it, it is one of the few reserved functions that that's allocated to to councillors, like to, to kind of to work with the executive. So I suppose yeah, again, as I said, all eight of us in West Cork decided that absolutely not that we weren't going to impose pay parking in Clonaskibreen. Like we we do have traffic wardens there to to kind of move traffic on after two hours or whatever, but we find that leaving a bit of flexibility that, you know, if, if, you, if you meet somebody down the town and you, 
you want to go for a coffee or whatever, that you have the flexibility to do that rather than going, oh, Jesus, there's only five or ten minutes left of my paid parking disc, you know, and and, uh, and having to return to your car and, uh, uh, you know, to avoid a, a potential parking fine. But as I said, d- different areas. I know that the, the councillors, the majority of councillors and the likes of Bandit and Kinsale feel that they, you know, that they get a dividend from the, the pay parking amount and that goes towards, you know, the cost of Christmas lights or different uh, different other mm-hmm. amenities for the area instead, you know. OK, what an insight, I suppose, how they decide the, the various parking anyhow and the price of parking in various towns. Before I let you go, Paul, a story we're going to discuss very shortly in the programme and this is regarding the Republican group, Sarah, uh, who you might have seen were marching in the Bandon Road, Barrack Street area of the city over the Easter period on Easter Sunday. Sinn Féin, you're, you're a Sinn Féin councillor, always known as a Republican Party uh, traditionally over the years, even though other parties uh, might use that. What's your view on, on a Republican group like this, which seem to have formed or seem to be around a while, but only have made themselves known really uh, over the last while especially at the weekend your view on these type of Republican parties that are coming up because many people feel the day for that is over Yeah absolutely yeah. I mean look we, we had our own um, Easter commemorations um, around West Cork and around, around the country over Easter look it's an important thing to uh, to remember your history and all that but um, no I, I, look I, I think groups like this um, look they, they, they don't offer any Anything that's kind of harking back to, to to kind of a dim distant past, really. Um, and as I said, look, their association with the um, with the people that were involved in the shooting of the, the, the poor young journalist in, in Derry, mm-hmm. like that was absolutely appalling, you know. Um, and and to, to be trying to justify that, like I mean, but those days are over. Look, there, there's been a ceasefire for a long, long time, and uh, look, um, I, I, I certainly don't encourage any of these groups to be kind of getting up and running and. You know, marching around in in in, uh, in you know military gear, like you know, kind of intimidating the public, um, because there's you know there's, there's a whole different uh, dynamic in the country now. And look, I think it's just maybe young people, you know, getting uh, maybe just you know feel that they're frustrated by the the lack of you know the, the movement in the peace process or something to that effect, or talks of a potential physical checkpoints and a hard Brexit and you know going back to a hard border and all this kind of stuff that maybe it's feeding into maybe younger people that don't remember, you know, how bad the situation was in the north, you know, so uh, yeah. but no, look, I mean I, I certainly didn't like to see what was happening in the, in the streets of um, Dublin or, or, or Cork and especially as that's just an absolutely appalling situation in Derry last weekend with the, with the shooters, the, uh, that journalist, you know, and I think in fairness all the um, political leaders including I know Mary Lou MacDonald was, was due to be in Cork that weekend uh, and went straight to Derry to you know, to stand in solidarity with the, with the people up there instead, you know, so certainly look, we're, 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 we, we send our condolences to the family of, of, of Lair McKee and uh, certainly look, we don't want to see this kind of, uh, these kind of activities um, uh, coming back to, to the streets of, uh, of, of Ireland anyway. OK, well, uh, Paul, thank you for that. I think a lot of people would agree with you. We don't want any violence coming back to this country. It's something we're going to stay on and discuss very shortly in the programme, but on the pay parking, we thank you for your insight on that, Councillor Paul Hayes, Sinn Féin Councillor from West Cork. Uh, and we are going to hear very shortly how CIRA posters are indeed uh, um, appearing in UCC recruitment posters. We're going to hear that very shortly after this break. First, though, check on what's happening in and about the Cork area. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
Dancing to Dave Ray Band and the PJ Murray Band that will go ahead in the Hazel Tree in Mallow on Monday next, 29th of April, all in aid of the Chernobyl Orphanage. A great raffle also on the night. The Blood Transfusion Service will hold blood donor clinics in Clotter Trassa in Canturk. That's this coming Thursday from 3 to 5 and again from 7 to 9. And Ducas Clonacilty Heritage Group, they will host Faulkner McCarthy in the Parish Centre. That's this coming Thursday. And the talk is the story of Clonacilty Agricultural Show starting at 8.30. Gagan Community Hall Fields Committee they're going to hold their fundraising table quiz in the Ash Tree Bar in Old Chapel near Bandon. That's on this Friday evening from 8.30. And the Church of Ireland parishes of Arhala, Temple Martin, Kilmurray and McCroom are holding a sale of work in Bandon GAA Pavilion. And that's on this coming Friday from 7pm. Loads of stalls with plants, cakes, country produce and a lot more on the night. A great raffle as well and all are welcome. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now we mentioned yesterday about Sarah who were marching on Easter Sunday in the Barrack Street Bandon Road area of the city. They're a Republican group and this morning we're learning that they are recruiting it seems by way of posters anyhow on the campus of UCC. Dr Paul Burgess is a senior lecturer at UCC. He joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you Dr Paul. Good afternoon, John. Uh, thanks for joining us. Okay, first of all, you have seen these particular posters on campus in UCC. Yes, I was crossing campus uh, yesterday morning, and uh, just to put it in a little context, um, the journalist who was murdered in Derry last week, uh, uh, Lyra McKee, I had been working with her quite recently. Um, so uh, obviously the, the, the activities of this group were fresh in my mind because of that. And uh, normally, <clears throat> on any other day, I might have walked by and not noticed, but um, perhaps because of this, uh, on the way back to my office, I happened to see, yes, two posters in what would be a very public area uh, between the library and the student centre. And these posters depicting uh, men in paramilitary uniforms, balaclavas and or glasses and so on, uh, were for the political wing of the new IRA. Uh, and uh, so immediately uh, I was obviously quite angry about this and I uh, got on to the authorities in the university right away. Uh, they told me that this had been an ongoing problem uh, almost as fast as they could take them down. Someone was putting them back up again. And the worrying thing was that where I had seen them, they were in what would be termed official kind of uh, cases where, uh, if you like, sort of the, the fact that they were in these these display cases might suggest to students that they were in some way kind of given credence by by the institution itself. That's not the case, of course, because the university has been uh, keen to take these down as as quickly as possible. But my suspicion is that this is going on not just in UCC, but in other uh, third-level institutions uh, around the county. Yeah, and the worrying thing is, and a lot of our listeners have picked up on this as well by way of commentary this morning, is that they could be targeting young people who may come from Republican backgrounds and may be new to a, a city or an area and maybe in first year in college are very young and vulnerable and are seeing this and they might think, well, yes, I could get involved in this organisation because it's not a political party. People are texting in saying political parties do advertise on college campuses, but that this gang, they're, they're far from a political party. Yeah, well, I mean, clearly they're 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 targeting young people uh, and aggressively trying to recruit. Um, traditionally, they're, 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 they're the the kind of groundswell of where they would get their support would be from 
from young people in um, socioeconomically deprived areas and disadvantaged areas, and that's, of course, what's happened up in the Craigan and Derry. Um, and the fact that they've entered onto the university campuses now, again, you know, one might think that, that uh, students there might be better informed about the, the real nature of this group, but of course, we can't take that for granted. And a group of this nature, even if they were to get one, two or three uh, recruits, that would be obviously uh, a win-win for them. Uh, so yes, um, I, I think it's something we need to be very concerned about. And the posters, I mean, are they giving context to get in contact with the actual group or, or, or how are they looking? I mean, are, are, obviously people are stopping by and noticing these now uh, over the course of the last week because of the publicity that Sierra are getting for these particular marches, especially the march in Cork, which was held very near the campus there on Bandon Road and Barrack Street. Sure. Um, well, it, it's very explicit. Um, it's, it's advertising for uh, uh, requesting that people sign up and join them. Uh, the image on the poster is of the uh, of men dressed in paramilitary outfits, carrying uh, flags, uh, and wearing balaclavas and dark glasses. And I think it's, it's worth saying, John Paul, as well, that there is a feeling that uh, some people have seen these, this group marching over over the Easter parades and so on, and have been quite dismissive of them uh, because they look a fairly ragtag bunch. But it's um, we would do well to remember that this group uh, not only killed. Uh, uh, Lyra McKee uh, last week, but also uh, before that had planted a car bomb outside uh, the courthouses in Derry, narrowly missing uh, half a dozen young people passing at the time. They've also sent out um, letter bombs uh, around the UK. And, you know, for all we know, even now are currently plotting their next attack on the security forces or indeed on judges or wherever. So, yeah, you know, we would do well not to, to be too dismissive of them and to, to take this, this this kind of thing seriously, I think. And what can you guys in UCC do in either other institutions or other areas? Because as you mentioned there, when they go up, they're, they're taken down, but they go up again quite fast. I presume someone is coming in either in the early hours or sometime erecting these particular posters. Can CCTV be in operation here? Can that catch them or, or how do you think you can handle this? Well, I, I'm told that that's exactly what's happening. I mean, it's a big campus, as, as I'm sure you'll know, and um, it's hard to be everywhere all the time. But I'm, I'm told that the, um, the security staff uh, on the campus have now been made aware of this and been briefed. And I've also been told that the CCTV footage is, is, is currently being reviewed to see if they can actually get to the bottom of, of uh, you know, who's behind it. So uh, I think, you know, I'm hopeful that the college are taking it seriously. But the fact is that, um, you know, it's, it's easy to overlook this. Until yesterday, college were aware that this was going on. But, for example, they didn't know that someone had placed them in the, the sort of semi-official UCC um, display cases in, in what would be a very busy area. So uh, at the moment, they seem to be one jump ahead. But certainly UCC uh, are, are on the ball about it, I think. And I would be hoping that... Um, that it could be stopped in the near future. Yeah, and hopefully they're not getting in the heads of students attending the college and that they're using them to, to erect the posters as well on campus. Okay. That, that, that isn't happening. That, that would be a worry. Uh, and I know you mentioned there uh, Lyra McKee, whose funeral service is beginning at one. And you uh, you obviously, did you know her well, Paul? No, I, I wasn't a good friend, John Paul. We had, <clears throat> excuse me, we had... Um, been working together in, in the past few months. Um, she was a outstanding individual. Uh, you'll, you're going to hear this, of course, in the press over over the next few days, and, and it has been said. But I mean, I, I would just say that 
even though you might expect that people might say this at this this tragic time, I, I can attest to the fact that she really was one of a kind. Um, not only was she uh, a very brave uh, young woman who was very involved in actively in, in the gay rights movement, uh, but she was uh, a very talented journalist and writer as well. And uh, our paths crossed because she had read two of my novels. Uh, I write novels as well as academic publications, and uh, she'd read these and knew I was I was looking for a, a literary agent and, and had given very generously of her time uh, in helping me with that because she herself had just signed the book deal. Uh, exceptional young woman and, and someone who really basically uh, was the epitome of what Northern Ireland should be. Post troubles, uh, she was a child of the post conflict generation, and um, that's what makes it all so so terribly tragic, really. You know. It is tragic is the word. It's so sad that that poor young girl is being laid to rest today in Belfast. And you yourself are from your accent here. Are you from Northern Ireland yourself? Yes, I'm, I'm from Belfast myself, yeah. So you know all so well about what has happened over the last 20 or 30 years. And this is why groups like this shouldn't be targeting young people or should definitely not be allowed to enter a campus and erect those particular posters. Hopefully uh, something will be done about that. And I'm not too sure what will happen with that particular group, but hopefully a young person will be targeted in the wrong way. Anyhow, I appreciate you, uh, Paul, taking time out to talk to us on that this afternoon and look after yourself. And um, I know it's a sad day for a lot of people who are, are from Northern Ireland to think that this uh, has happened again uh, after everything that people have worked for here across the country, north and south, over the last 20 years or more? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we need to be vigilant around this kind of thing. Um, uh, I think that, uh, as I say, we, you know, we have to take it seriously. Uh, there's no going back. And, and I mean, in fact, one of the, if anything, can be taken from this whole, sorry, encouraging things is that there's clearly a groundswell of, uh, revulsion and rejection from from ordinary people in the Craigan and Derry uh, to this kind of thing, and, and at least that's something positive that can be taken from. Okay, well, for the moment, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, that is Dr. Paul Burgess, there, senior lecturer at UCC, uh, just highlighting the fact that in the area on the campus in UCC, you have those Sierra posters appearing up, uh, looking to recruit people, and openly uh, looking to recruit people, giving details and having that army type face on them. Uh, and I mean, as fast as they go up in the grounds of UCC uh, and they're brought down again, they're going up as fast. So uh, awful to think that is actually happening and targeting young people, especially on what has happened in the last few days in Derry. And I can tell you at the moment uh, that a large security presence is surrounding St. Anne's Cathedral in Belfast, uh, where the funeral of uh, Lyra McKee, which we just spoke about there, the uh, journalist murdered last week in Derry, uh, is taking place in St. Anne's in uh, Belfast. The President, Michael D. Higgins, and Taoiseach Leif Varadkar and the British Prime Minister Theresa May are attending the service for the 29-year-old who was killed by dissident Republicans last Thursday in Derry. We'll have more on that on C103 News that won and indeed our afternoon bulletins. On the way though, a meeting held last night in Carrick Tool and this was due to the requirement there of new schools or even a school campus in the area. Unfortunately, the existing planning for that uh, was rejected. So now they must go back to the drawing board and get new plans for a new school for the area, mainly 
because of the population growth in Carrickthool. Its location is ideal, uh, so near the city, so near so many big employers and amenities, uh, but no facilities. Discussing that next. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And on that political group, Sarah Margaret on text saying, awful to think that these posters recruiting are appearing in colleges again, looking and recruiting vulnerable young people in colleges. Hopefully they will desist from targeting the campus of UCC and the number of people remembering Alira McKee who we mentioned there a while ago uh, Dr Paul Burgess would have known her and worked with her as he mentioned over the last number of months and her funeral service beginning at one o'clock at St Anne's Cathedral in Belfast I know in the city centre Dawn Square at around the same time a number of local journalists are together uh, in a mark of respect and remembrance of the late Lyra McKee uh, following her being uh, killed by Republicans last Thursday in Derry and uh, the service there beginning at one o'clock. More on that at one o'clock on C103 News but I know there is a group of journalists here in Cork forming uh, remembrance and uh, paying respect to her at one o'clock on Dawn Square of course. Uh, At the moment in Belfast, President Michael D. Higgins Lee Varadkar and the Prime Minister Theresa May are attending uh, the service for the 29 year old who was killed by dissident Republicans last Thursday in Derry. But moving on to uh, something that was well, a meeting last night, something we spoke about earlier on this week, but a meeting that was held last night in Carrigtool because it's one of the fastest growing areas, not only in Cork, but indeed in the country, but is in need of infrastructure and indeed amenities as a number of recorders have pointed out over the last few days. Uh, one of those is uh, more schooling for the area and a meeting was held on that issue last night. Councillor Anthony Barry was at that meeting, local councillor in the area. He joins me. Good afternoon to you, Anthony. Morning, John Paul. Not afternoon, rather. <laughs> okay, good afternoon to you. Uh, first of all, about Carrickthool itself, how many schools operate in the area uh, by way of primary and secondary? We have, uh, at the moment, three primary schools. Um, but Skull Cleaner is a new non-denominational uh, Cork ETB school uh, that's operating in the GA grounds in temporary accommodation. And then you've uh, formerly Skull Clockaburra and Skull Muranefa um, Muranefa was the old boys' school, um, but now it's um, coined as well as Skullclockaburra, which was the formerly the old girls' school. And then you have St. Al's uh, Secondary School, which is well known, but it's purely just for girls alone. So we have no secondary uh, facility for, for uh, boys. And this is the problem because over the last five to ten years a lot of people have purchased homes in Carrigtool a lot of large housing estates there in the area because of its proximity to Cork City and indeed to a number of large employment spots in the area uh, many will say it is becoming the next batting colleague but for that to happen you do need schooling I mean to have no secondary school for boys in a big area like Carrigtool and expecting them I know people that live there who travel to Glamire or Middleton uh, it's not good enough when a housing is being built to the extreme it has been over the last 10 years in Carrigtool? Obviously, look, Carrigtool has been um, set aside as being a, a, an area of rapid population growth by Cork County Council and obviously with the, the railway line so close to it and uh, the road infrastructure, one can understand why that would be the case. But you would also expect that you would have the, the proper infrastructure and facilities, particularly infrastructure, and by that, schooling would be an obvious one and I have a situation where our boys in particular have to go to Middleton and uh, up to Glanmire is unacceptable. And, you know, you would 
this process has been dragging on now for quite a number of years, up to 10 years, I think. Um, the location for the school is fantastic. It's right in the heart of our community. Uh, a three-school campus in such a location would be wonderful because most kids could actually walk uh, the schools, which would be unique, uh, unlike other towns where the schools tend to be on the periphery of the towns. So, yeah, look, it's great that uh, it will happen there, but unfortunately the delay is just totally unacceptable at this stage. And these delays, a lot of it caused by the Department of Education. Uh, you were speaking to our reporter Fiona Corcoran in County Hall yesterday and you described the application which was submitted for three new schools in Carrigtool as sloppy and incompetent. What was the problem with the application? Seemingly some of the principals weren't even aware or even shown the plans a few days before they actually submitted the applications to the council. That was uh, in actual fact the previous application which, which went in last September and only, I will say, short, no couple of days prior to that application being put in, principal saw that application, and there were obviously glaring uh, omissions in the design, which, you know, you can understand because obviously principals wanted some input into the design of the school. They went away and they were told that a minor tweaking would sort out that and that the department would be back uh, quickly and resubmit. But of course, that didn't happen, uh, and six months elapsed. And then last March, we had... Uh, a few weeks back, we had the second application, which we were expecting uh, a few months back. And th- this is the one that has caused the serious consternation. It was almost like um, you send a car to the NCT, but you send it in and find out what's wrong with it first. And then you bring it to the garage and fix it and bring it back to the NCT. You let the NCT find out what the problems are. And I think this is what has happened in this case. It definitely looks that as if they decided, look, we leave county council, find out what the problems are with the application. Uh, we'll fix it and send it back in then when, when, we're, when they're happy with us. And that, I hope, is what it is. We got a guarantee last night uh, from the department that hopefully within the next five to seven working days um, the application will be sent back into Cork County Council again. And if they do send it back and it is approved, the big thing then is how long will all the works take to go ahead with new schools for the area? I mean, what new schools are we talking about here? We're talking about two uh, primary schools, one at 32 and the other, oh, sorry, at 24 and a 16 classroom primary school. And then you're talking about a secondary school with, I think, around 750 capacity. So it's a very, very, very large educational campus. There are roads have to be built, uh, obviously, around that. And I would also like to see that there will be a correct traffic management plan put in place for Carrie Tool because, John Paul, anyone that knows Carrie Tool, and you've mentioned it there, that we've grown from 1,500 to 5,000 population in a relatively short period of time. And the projected growth there is quite rapid as well over the next number of years. So I'm just hoping that the correct traffic management plan will be put in place as well. And I'm lobbying hard the Cork County Council that that will happen. Um, if you're going building a campus of this nature, you have to make sure that people can get around it as well, you know. Yeah, and also you have the big employers there based in Carrigtool in the IDA uh, development there. So you need that road infrastructure because you have everybody coming off a motorway, a 120 kilometre speed motorway, and then they're arriving at the roundabouts and they're arriving at the traffic jams. You don't want to make the situation worse uh, with a school in the middle of that and no traffic plan development for that. So are you hopeful that this time around they put in the application form, it will be gone through? And, and when is the likelihood of anything happening with regarding building? Uh, for the parents who are contacting us here this afternoon wondering, well, when will we see building happening in Carrigtool for those schools? Obviously, look, we would all like to see it happen as quickly as possible, but there is a statutory process and a lot of times that can be very frustrating, but it's there for good reason as well, because for obvious reasons you need a planning process that is transparent and see-through. Um, obviously, this delay is unacceptable, but having said all that, if the application goes in within the next five to seven working days, as we've been assured by the department, if that happens, you then have the two-month planning process. If there's no appeals to both and all of which 
John Paul, as you know yourself, that could happen no mm-hmm. matter what the, the uh, development is and no matter how welcome it is, there is the potential for that. Um, if there isn't, uh, you nest, and, and it's granted, you then have to go through the tendering process. And after that, you, um, you, you turn your side. But I mean, realistically, it is very hard to imagine that any doors will be open uh, this side of two and a half to three years. And is this a warning for other areas of Cork whereby you are in a, an area nearby uh, the city and you do build big housing estates like we see in Carrick Tool now and you have families and if those families choose to have children then they will need to have schooling nearby and if you obviously you, you will have some schools in the area but if you do feel there's a need for more like a boys secondary school for example it's a warning that if you're granting plan- planning permission to developers for big housing estates to have the facilities either there as it is or to have some a five-year plan to ensure that new schools will be built within five years so you don't have this situation now that we're hearing in Carrick Of course, the issue here is planning, isn't it? You've just said it. I mean, it's not about... I understand fully if you're putting in new states, uh, it may affect the demand may not be there. But you have to have sites sterilised for schools ready to go when demand is there that you build. I mean, this... It, it, and it doesn't just apply for schools. It applies... I think we should be looking at issues for the elderly in our population. We are an, an ageing population after all as well. We don't look at how our elderly should be treated. We don't look at the road infrastructure, transport infrastructure, uh, pedestrian works. We, we just kind of slap it together. And I know uh, we've been very active um, in Cork County Council as councillors looking to make sure and ensure that future planning is so important. Um, and, you know, there are issues in Glontown, which is a neighbouring village, um, to Carrickool, which is seeing a huge explosion of growth um, within the next couple of years. And again, the issue here is critical infrastructure, critical facilities, and not just infrastructure, but social infrastructure, John Paul, which is also very, very important, so that people are happy in the environment they're living in. OK, we'll leave it there. We'll see what happens over the next course of the few months, I suppose, at this stage with those particular planning and what is needed for those areas you mentioned there of Glontown and indeed of Carring Tools. Uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon. That is Councillor Anthony Barry uh, from the area there and the, what is needed now uh, for areas that are developing at a fast pace like there in Carring Tool. 1850-333-103, lines open.
is the Counting Crows with Vanessa Carlton at C103 and Big Yellow Taxi. That's it from us for this afternoon. A lot of calls in we didn't get to today. We'll bring them to you tomorrow on the show, especially with regarding to road safety and the licensing issue. A lot of people unhappy with trailers and the license changes with that. Anyhow, that and more tomorrow uh, from 10am on Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Wednesday afternoon. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.